0: And welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce. And what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to establishedinthefaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 9, and we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Chapter 21 and verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, the bride, the lamb's wife, is Every believer from both Old and New Testaments. But John begins to describe, as we read on down through this, he begins to describe the holy city, the New Jerusalem, as being the Lamb's wife. So the question is, which is it? Is the Lamb's bride, his wife? Is it believers or is it the holy city? Actually, it's both. Because by this time, you and I are going to be inhabiting that city. I don't think some of you heard. Well, I know one heard what I said. But I said all of us are going to be inhabiting that city at that time. Glory to God. You know, and as we stated back some time ago, uh, this earth is going to be renovated by fire. And when this renovation project takes place, that fire is going to burn up everything that sin has corrupted. All that's going to be done away with. And that fire is going to bring into existence a brand new surface on which only righteousness and holiness will dwell. And someone may ask the question, well, where will we be When all of this renovation is going on. And my thought is. I think we're going to be in that city. The new Jerusalem. I think that's where we're going to be at that time. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be a new city. That's going to be sitting here on this earth. And once all of that is complete. The holy city is going to come down from heaven to earth. Glory to God. No wonder John got carried away in the spirit. That's what it says there in verse 10. Revelation 21 verse 10. He said he was carried away in the spirit. That don't mean what you think it does. Let's read on a little more. And he he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. John being carried away in the spirit simply means that he saw all of this in a vision, uh, which means he wasn't literally carried there. But now just because he's given this in a vision... And it was not literally carried there. That don't mean that what he saw is not literal. This is a literal place. He's going to go on here in just a few minutes. We're going to read it where he gives us the dimensions of this place. And there's a lot of detail that John goes into. Our minds can't comprehend it. All of this of which we're about to read is that which the lord has prepared for us he said i go away to prepare a place for you and if i go away and prepare a place i will come again and receive you unto myself that where i am there you may be also what we're reading about and studying tonight is the place that the lord has prepared it's a place where we're going to live and spend all eternity so i want you to Try to think about and grasp it as best you can, which it's hard for our minds to do that. Like I said, when I was praying, and not only the Spirit of God can reveal it to us. Um, Haven, if you will, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The Apostle Paul said, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. John said he was carried away in the Spirit, and he saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. And the first thing that he notices about this city, the thing that really leaps out at him, and the first thing he mentions is the light. If you will, go back to Revelation 21 and verse 11. Revelation 21, verse 11. John said, It had the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. It's hard for us to imagine exactly what John saw here, but it sounds like he saw a prism of light, multicolors. Like a jasper stone, and yet it's clear as crystal. I've never seen a jasper stone, so it's hard for me to envision that. But the glory of God in his presence is what is producing all of this light, all of this glory. And it falls right on, right in line with uh, verse 23, Revelation 21, verse 23, if you'll look down at that verse. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. All these precious stones that are there in that city, the thing that really makes it pop if you will, is the glory and the presence of God. There's nothing like the presence of God, the glory of God. We've experienced His presence and His glory in some of our services here at the church. I'm sure that some of you, in your prayer time alone with the Lord, you've sensed His presence and you feel His glory in your soul from time to time. It doesn't happen as often as I'd like for it to. But this is what makes heaven so great. This is what makes this city what it is, is the glory and the presence of God. And one day we're going to forever be in his presence. We're going to forever feel that glory. And as the old song says, what a day that'll be. All right, go back up, if you will, to verse 12, Revelation 21, verse 12. And it had a wall great and high. Uh, If you'll look down in verse 17, we're given the dimensions of that wall. And he measured the wall thereof, a hundred and forty and four cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. Now, a cubit is about 18 inches. So when you calculate all of that up, it comes out to be somewhere around 216 feet tall. It's a pretty tall wall that's there. All the sin and evil and wickedness in the world is going to be done away with at that time. Back in... Old Testament times, ancient times, when they built a city, they would build a wall around it to keep the enemy out. Well, the new Jerusalem, the holy city, the lamb's wife, and you and I are going to be in that city. It's going to have a wall around it, and like I said, that wall is not going to be there to keep the enemy out because there ain't going to be no enemies there at that time. So what is the wall for? It's there for decoration. And we're going to look at some of those precious stones that's in it here in just a few minutes. Uh, go back to verse 12, if you will. Revelation 21 and verse 12. And it had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. Now, twelve is God's number for government. There will be government at that time. But it won't be corrupt like the governments of the world that we have now. It's going to be controlled and ruled by the government of God, which will be perfect. And the names were written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. The names written on each one of these gates uh, could be laid out like that of the millennial temple. Haven, if you will, go to Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 31. Ezekiel 48, verse 31. Now we don't know for sure, but if these gates or similar to the millennial temple then this is what you may possibly see one day Ezekiel 48 verse 31 and the gates of the city shall be after the names of the tribes of Israel three gates northward one gate of Reuben one gate of Judah one gate of Levi verse 32 and at the east side 4,500 and three gates, and one gate of Joseph, one gate of Benjamin, one gate of Dan. We're giving you the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, these names that are written on the gates of the holy city. Verse 33, Ezekiel chapter 48, and at the south side, 4,500 measures, and three gates, and One gate of Simeon, one gate of Issachar, one gate of Zebulun. And on the west side, 4,500 with their three gates. One gate of Gad, one gate of Asher, one gate of Naphtali. You know, for the past several months, we've been studying about Joseph and how evil, wicked, ungodly his brothers were. For them to hate Joseph to the extent that they did. Joseph being probably one of the greatest types of Christ found in the word of God. And Jacob gave Joseph the birthright. And the evidence of that is with the coat of many colors. And when he gave him that coat of many colors, his brothers got jealous. And then when God gave him a dream... And then Joseph shared that dream with them. That made them that much more upset with him. And so they beat him up and throwed him in a pit. And then later sold him to some Ishmaelites. And he went down into Egypt. It takes a cold, hard-hearted individual to do what his brothers did. We read where Simeon and Levi concocted a scheme against the city of Shechem because one of the men there raped their sister. And they concocted a scheme and went in and killed every one of the men of that city and then took the wives and the rest of the brothers came in and took of the spoil. That's just how evil and wicked they were. And now we're reading here in the book of Revelation where the names of these men that did these evil, wicked things, their names are written on the gates of the new Jerusalem. That's grace. Because God had changed their hearts. Let me rephrase that. These men got saved and allowed God to change them. And when they saw Joseph down in Egypt, Joseph just didn't run up and jump in their lap. He tested his brothers to make sure they had changed. And sure enough, they had changed. And that's when Joseph revealed himself, who he really was. But their names are forever written in that city. And their names are there because God... In his redemption plan, he told Adam and Eve right after the fall in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3 and verse 15. He said, The seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Satan used a woman to bring down mankind. God turned right around and said, I'm going to use a woman. To lift up mankind. That's why Satan hates women so much. Because it was the seed of the woman. And you know a woman doesn't have a seed. Only one woman had a seed and that was Mary. And God breathed on her that night and she conceived. Nine months later she brought forth the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the seed of the woman. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. But God had to have a people, and these are the people that he chose, raised up from the loins of Abraham and the womb of Sarah. It was through these people that God would use to bring us the Word of God and the Savior of mankind, which they did. These are the people, this is why we see their names written on the gates of this city. Let's move on to verse 14, Revelation 21, verse 14. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Like I said, the Jews brought forth the word of God. And served as the womb for the Redeemer of mankind. But also, after Jesus died on the cross, the apostles were the ones who gave us the message of salvation. And that is what the church is built on. If you will, Haven, go to Matthew 16, verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, once it was revealed who Jesus was, Jesus began to reveal what he must do. If you'll look down in verse 21... Of Matthew 16 from that time forth began Jesus to show to his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day who Jesus is and what he did is the foundation Of the salvation message. And it was given to the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Go back if you will to Revelation 21 verse 14. And notice the latter part of that verse. The 12 apostles of the Lamb. 28 times in the book of Revelation the word Lamb is used. The Holy Spirit specifically pulled out and used the word lamb. And every time the word lamb is used, it's always pointing back to what Jesus would do for us at the cross. Matter of fact, when John the Baptist came on the scene, he saw Jesus coming one day and he announced to the world. He said, behold, The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's the first time that such a phrase was ever used. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. All the millions of lambs that had been offered up in the Old Testament, all those lambs could do was cover sin. It was salvation on credit as the Old Testament saints look forward to a Redeemer who was to come. They didn't understand everything, but their faith was in it. Today, you and I still don't understand everything, although we've got the privilege of looking back at it. But they look forward to it. And Jesus is the one that paid the price and took away the sin of the world. That's the foundation. That's the foundation. Paul said in Ephesians 2 and verse 20, Ephesians 2 verse 20, he said, we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And Jesus said, Upon this rock, this truth of who I am, and then he would go on to reveal what he must do. Upon this rock I will build my church. That's the foundation of the church. All right, Haven, if you will, go back to Revelation 21, verse 15. Revelation 21 verse 15, and he that taught with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. Now the one that is talking to John here is not the angel of verse 9. This is actually a prophet, and we can see that. If you'll move over to Revelation 22 and verse 9. Revelation 22 and verse 9. The one talking to John now is this prophet. Then saith he unto me, see thou doest it not. For I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren the prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book worship God. This is the second time that John begins to worship a man. The first time being back in Revelation 19 and verse 10. Why would John make this mistake twice? I mean, obviously he knows that God is the only one that we need to be worshiping. And yet, he bowed in Revelation 19 and 10, and he bows again here in Revelation 22 and verse 9 in worship to a man. My thought on this is simply this. When the Lord appears, the Bible says that we're going to be like him. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he appears, we will be like him. The appearance of this prophet, our appearance at that time, is going to be so much like that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of what I'm telling you. When John saw this prophet in a glorified state, he thought it was the Lord. And he made an honest mistake. But this prophet said, hey, don't worship me. I'm not God. God's the only one that needs to be worshipped. All right. Revelation twenty-one fifteen again. He that taught with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And he has a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. As we stated earlier, this is not symbolic of something. This is a literal city. He's got this reed to measure the city because it's literal, it's real. And one day we're going to see it. Verse 16, the city lies four square and the length is as large as the breadth of And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, and the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. That figures out to be about 1,500 miles square on all four sides. It's quite a big city, 1,500 miles square. Haven, if you will, pull up that picture there, if you will. You can see a a map there behind me of the United States. If we were to place the southwest or the southeast corner in Dallas, Texas, and then travel 1,500 miles west, the southwest corner would be in Los Angeles, California. If we leave there and travel 1,500 miles north, The northwest corner would be in Vancouver, British Columbia. If we were to leave there and travel east, the northeast corner would be in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It will cover, as you can see there on the screen, over half of the United States. Now, it's not going to be located In the United States. It's going to be located where Jerusalem is located at now. But that gives you some idea of how big this city is. Now if that's not big enough for you. It's also 1500 miles high. Think of that. 1500 miles high. 15,000 feet is the limit for which we can go, and there be oxygen. If you go much over 15,000 feet, you're going to have to have some type of apparatus uh, that can produce oxygen so that you can live, so that you can breathe, so you can survive. That's about three miles up. You're talking about a city that's 1,500 miles high. Now, my thought is this. Either that city is going to have oxygen throughout, or either there ain't going to be no need of oxygen. That's my thoughts on it, because someone has argued that. I don't think we'll need oxygen at that time. If we do, the Lord will provide it. Whatever we need at that time, God's going to provide it. Glory to God. All right. Revelation 21, verse 17. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is of the angel. As we stated earlier, that's about 216 feet high. Verse 18. And the building... Of the wall of it was of jasper. And that's a very precious um, multicolored stone. I've never seen one. I'm just giving you what I've studied and what I've been told. And the city was of pure gold likened to clear glass. Gold is one of the most beautiful metals that we have here on earth. This gold here is clear as crystal, or clear as gra- glass, It's what the Scripture says here. I don't, I don't know of any gold that's that pure here on earth, but all I can do is go by what the Word of God says. The whole city is made of it. All right, let's look at verse 19 and 20, and we'll shut it down for the night. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was of jasper. Again, that's a very precious multicolored stone. The second, a sapphire. And that's a bluish looking stone. The third is chalcedony. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not, but. That's sort of an emerald green colored stone. The fourth, an emerald. That's a bright green color. The fifth stone is a sardonyx, which is red and white. The sixth is a sardius stone, uh, which is a bright red color stone. The seventh is chrysolite which is a golden yellow color, stone. Uh, The eighth is beryl, which is a bluish-green color. The ninth, a topaz, which is a yellowish-green color. The tenth is a chrysoprasis. I reckon that's how you pronounce that. That's an apple-green color. The eleventh, adjacent. Which is blue in color. The twelfth is an amethyst. Which is violet and purple. I can't even pronounce some of the names of these stones. So that I've not seen any of these stones. I may have and didn't know what I was looking at. But folks the bottom line is this. Heaven is going to be a beautiful place. I don't know. What problems you may have brought into this service tonight. All of us have issues and things on our hearts. But nothing compares to the beauty that we're going to experience in just a short amount of time. Because it's right around the corner. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We can see this place that we're trying to picture and imagine in our minds. It's going to be crystal clear one day. And I think we're going to be like John. We're going to be tongue-tied trying to explain it. And I think we'll understand it a little better once we lay our eyes on it. But if you're saved tonight, you will lay your eyes on that city one day, and you're going to see it.